you need to have someone who's great at building rapport and relationships, yet also looks to get a commitment from that patient to schedule. We use a question and it's just, how do you feel about going ahead and getting your appointment scheduled in our office? You have to get that out of yeah. them before you can even dream about moving forward with any kind of solution that they're going to actually buy into. Now, one of the biggest smoke screens, you know what? I got to go home and ask my spouse. I try to say, okay, if lack of urgency is the number one objection, then you need to prevent that from happening in the chair. And you prevent that and happening in the chair by having the patient co-diagnose with you is one part, self-discovery. They need to understand the condition and the consequences of it. It's a cavity that's going to lead to a bigger problem. It's a missing tooth. It's going to lead to a bigger problem. And number two, we as a team have to have to understand where is this patient coming from on an emotional basis? Welcome back to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. But you can't grow if your team doesn't know how to sell. Oh, I know everybody hates that and they hate that word and they think, man, I didn't get into dentistry to be a salesperson. And I totally get that. But there's an actual way that you can sell dentistry and that your team can present dentistry and it's not a salesy kind of feeling. It's actually getting the patient to buy into the solution that they desperately want and need. Today, I go over that solution with Eric, who's president of coaching at All Star Dental Academy. And he does an amazing job of breaking down how your team can present treatment, not just in the chair, but also on the phone. And he's going to give you all the secrets of that. And you're going to want to pay attention to this. It will drastically impact not only your overall results, but how many new patients you're seeing, if they're accepting treatment, and just your overall well-being of your team. All right. So Eric, why don't you tell me how you got into the dental industry? Well, there's some job security in it. I graduated with a business degree and I was in banking and I had this vision of, you know, working my way up the chain, counting money, <laughs> just getting into loans and lending. And when I got married, yeah. that created a job security for me because my father-in-law is a dentist. So uh, my wife and I met in California in school, but then we moved back to where she's from in Maine. And I ended up managing my father-in-law's practice for six years in Maine. And uh, he's still practicing, still practicing dentist this day. So that was in 1998. Oh, wow. So managed the practice till 2004. And then we went through a coaching continuum way back in the day called Dental Boot Camp. And they gave me my start. So yeah, did, did the dental bootcamp thing. Walter Haley was my wow. first mentor, Suzanne Black, and trained under them, then started coaching offices. And then in 2015, met Alex and Heather Nottingham and really just aligned with how we, we treat clients in dentistry. And so I started coaching in 2001. So it's, it's been a long journey for me. And so brought all of that information and training that I learned from all my clients, all my mentors, all my coaches, and just compiled it into one, one thing with All-Star and just really have loved how it's triggered us into helping offices get patients healthier through case acceptance. That's really been our forte, our, our niche. Yeah, that's huge. A, a question on that. So how, how much has the dental industry changed, especially around uh, helping convert patients? How much has the dental industry changed since 2001? Yeah. So I think people have gotten a lot more savvy, a lot more aware of the fact that we are actually in sales. You know, it is still a wake up call when I lead a seminar and I have people 
you know, say, raise your hand if you if you got into dentistry because you're an amazing salesperson. You thought, you know what, I'm going to use my sales skills in dentistry. And, you know, of course, nobody raises their hand and they look at me like I'm not in sales. And I have to do this whole explanation about how even the artist sells the painting, even the pharmacist sells the pill, even the physician sells something. So yeah, we are in sales. It's what type of salesman mm. do you want to be? What type of, you want to do pressure sales? No, everybody says no to that. They don't want to be the car mm -hmm. salesman. And usually most people say, okay, I want to be in a want-based industry. I want people to want to be healthy. Well, you have to have an approach to that. You have to know how to prepare the patient in that conversation before you ever get into treatment plan presentation. So a lot of our sales is actually front end loaded where it doesn't come across as sales. It's just relationship building. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but I have a segment that's going to bring a ton of value to you. We have people who've been sending in their questions, asking us about marketing. We're answering live on the air. And today's question comes from Eric. And Eric wanted to know what pitfalls should they watch out for when adding full arch to their GP practice? Now, from a marketing perspective, there's a lot here. So number one, marketing for full arch is totally different from GP because you're going to get a ton more opportunities, but you're not going to convert as many of those opportunities. Meaning just to get one full arch patient in the office that accepts treatment, you might have to get 50 to 100 leads that you have to work through. That means you have to have bandwidth for that. You have to have somebody on your team that can help with that and knows how to convert those. The next thing is you got to have people in your office that know how to convert the treatment. If no one has ever sold full arch in your office before, chances of you getting a patient to say yes to full arch for marketing is slim to none. Those are just two of the problems that you can run into. Uh, there's a lot of others, but those are the main ones. So if you have a question about marketing, feel free to email us at askgary at smcnational.com, or you can leave a comment or DM us and we'll get your questions answered. Thanks so much. Back to the show. Yeah, that's huge. And I know, yeah, dentists hate the high pressure side of it yeah. because they're physicians, right? They don't want to feel like, yep. hey, we're 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 selling cars out here or something like that. Now that's right. So here's one of the problems that I see around sales inside of dental. So in in every industry, probably at your company and our company and almost every other industry that I can think of, the salespeople are usually some of the best paid people on the team. They make the most money. Yeah. And they um they are extremely skilled in what they do. They take a ton of training even outside of their industry specifically around mm -hmm. sales. And then they also have specific sales training on, on that particular topic. Now, the dental industry is totally different. The dental industry has actually two sales points and dentists don't typically even, aren't even aware of this. The first sales point is on the phone. And those are usually the lowest paid people in the office. And if they are good on the phones, they're the first people to be plucked out of that position and put somewhere else. So let's put them into billing. Let's put them into treatment coordinating. Let's, so, so you have this front desk who has your youngest, lowest paid person, uh, usually least trained, and, and that's your sales. That's your frontline sales. And your office yeah. is only as good as that person, meaning that's your first bottleneck uh, from an operational standpoint. Then you have your internal sales, which is your treatment coordinator. And this mm -hmm. person does usually make, you know, there's usually some kind of commission or something tied into their job and that's structured a little bit different. So how do you, that's my framework that I look at the dental industry through. What, what's the framework that you guys look at and how you guys approach it? Yeah. So I typed out phones are first point, second point treatment coordinator. <laughs> so the, the great call process through all star is a system. And I think just every office needs a system that's directed towards building a relationship with the patient and converting the new patient caller. I know you and Alex talked about how low conversion rates are 
when a new patient is calling the practice. I mean, just getting to answer the phone, let alone to convert them to scheduling. Yes. But yet every time we ask an office, how good are you guys at converting new patient callers? Oh, we convert almost every single caller. They don't actually have statistics. It's just a feeling that they have. Yeah. And so I think the first thing you have to do is get to a realization of how low a conversion rate is and how hard it is to get to almost an 85% conversion rate. That's what we're shooting for. That's pretty high. So you can get above 50, you're doing pretty darn good. So I totally agree. You need to have someone who's great at building rapport and relationships, yet also looks to get a commitment from that patient to schedule. So to, to sum up this section of, of what we're talking about, we use a question like most sales trainers would, would say, but ours is, is, I think, soft and firm, firm but friendly, right? And it's just, how do you feel about going ahead and getting your appointment scheduled in our office? And I don't think many people process, how do I actually ask for the appointment? What we hear often is, well, if you decide you'd like to get an appointment schedule, let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Do you have any questions for me? Yep. And then they're you, like- You actually have to get, yeah. It, then there's philosophy too, right? Like I've heard front desk people go, oh, no, 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 that wasn't a new patient. That was just a person calling with questions. And it's like, no, 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 that was a new patient. That's a lead. That's a qualified yes. lead. And yes. it's like, all you have to do is say what you said or like a dual alternate close. Like who can we think or, or uh, what works better for you? Mornings or afternoons? Or we, mm-hmm. there's tons of different ways to do it, right? But you got to yep. ask. That's the first thing in sales is asking. Got to ask. Yeah. I think the the historically the study has shown 64% of dental offices don't ask for the patient to schedule. Even the dentist will say things like, all right, you're all set. Go up front and see Betty. She'll get you scheduled. You know, there's no ask for that. And they go up front and say, you know, it's not really bothering me, so I'll give you a call. I think I'll wait. And they don't understand the disconnect in the, in the psychology process of how to get a patient to a point where it's comfortable for you to say, you know, how do you feel about going ahead and getting this appointment scheduled? Okay. Would you like to do it this week or next week? You can get into those. You can, I talk about a funnel of closing. So that how question is very safe. I feel comfortable with it. I don't feel like I'm pressuring anybody. I'm not pushing you into something. How do you feel about going ahead and getting this scheduled? Great. All right. Would you like to do it this or that? You can get yeah. into your either ors yeah, after yeah. that question. It funnels them down into a position where they're saying, and, and here, let me just back up a step. Here's why. The how question is so important because people can lie to you in one word. And typically that word sounds like this. Yeah. So the lie, would you like to go ahead and get that appointment scheduled? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be $6,000. You okay paying for that? Yeah. Would you like to come in next week? Yeah. And we know as administrators, we watch this patient walk out the door, we think they're not coming back. Yep. And so how you get away from having a single word response in your search for commitment is you use the how word. How do you feel about going ahead and moving forward with this plan? How much sense would it make for us to move forward and get this scheduled for you? On the phone and in the great call process, the A stands for ask for the appointment. It's a key part of the process. we We say something like, you know, Gary, I want to get you scheduled the same way uh, we got your your friend Ricky Bobby scheduled who referred you. I want to get you scheduled that same way. I will have you come in, meet the team with the doctor. You'll be here about an hour and a half, and we're going to do go over everything with you. How do you feel about going ahead and getting that appointment scheduled? Mm. So I, I preface it, then I ask for it, and then I can whittle it down and get it closer. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I you know, There's a rule in sales, and nobody would really like saying this in dental, but it is the rule that buyers are liars. And, uh, <laughs> and and the reason for that is it's not because we want to be liars when we're being sold to. It's that 
we don't want to make people so uncomfortable and we don't want to look dumb, right? So we've all we've yeah. all bumped into somebody on the street yeah. before when they speak another language and they're and we don't understand them. What do we do? We go like this. Yeah, and it's that universal. Was funny. Yeah, it's universal, right? It's like and it's like, "Oh, you don't you don't understand." But we shake our head yes and we show our eyes really big. And the same thing happens in the dental office. Hey, uh, so do you want to schedule this treatment? And they have no idea what's going on. You have to engage yep. with them. You have to get that out of yep. them before you can even dream about moving forward with any kind of solution that they're going to actually buy into. Now, one of the biggest smoke screens, and this is another sales term, is smoke screens. One of the biggest smoke screens that we see out there is, you know what? I got to go home and ask my spouse. How do you guys, how do you guys deal with that? So we know the five maybe six categories of objections. Survey says, what's the number one most common objection? Every team member all the time will say, money, money is the number one objection. What's number two? Time, I don't have the time. Fear, you know, I'm afraid of the dentist. Three, which I believe is number one, I'm sorry, four is, I believe is number one is lack of urgency or value, which what you're addressing, I need to go home and think about, talk about, and then lack of trust. People don't usually say, I don't trust you. They'll say things like second opinion. And then last one shows up sometimes confusion where they just don't get it. So when we deal with our objections, how we handle them is, first of all, you got to identify what type of objection it is, and then recognize that a vast majority of it is going to be lack of urgency. So, and how we know this is people will use money as a smokescreen. And then they'll, because they just talked to the hygienist about their vacation, they just went on to Italy, and they go get in their Cadillac as they leave. They have money. That's not the objection. The objection is, I don't want to spend my money on this because I don't value it. So the first thing I would do, let's say you, you, you say you're, you know, I would go home and think about it. I'm going to make sure that you don't feel like I'm pressuring you, but I'm also not letting you vacate and leave. So it's fight or flight. That's typically where team members will go into. They'll go into, Hey, uh, flight, go ahead and go. I don't want to pressure you or they'll go into fight. Well, we have, uh, well, what is it about the treatment that bothers you? Or, or, or we have amazing payment options. Why don't we talk about that? And you engage over engage and it feels like pressure. So instead of that, you use just an, a, a simple acknowledgement and engagement. So you say, Gary, I totally get it. You know, this is a really important decision. Makes sense that you would want to think about it, talk about it with your spouse and make a decision. Let me ask you this. So I don't let go. I don't just go, yeah, makes sense. I say, let me ask you this. Is it that you're wondering if this is a really urgent need for you right now? Or is it that you're just trying to figure out how to manage the finance of this to fit it into a, like a budget or payment plan? And we usually do an either or question Good. that will just to get, if I'm wrong, I'll get a third option that they'll tell me, oh, no, no, I, I just, I'm in a hurry. I need to get home. Oh, great. So what would be better for you, for me to talk with, call you later today or call you next week? Hmm. You always have an either or that you're asking. And, and so our format is acknowledge, engage, and then question, 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 until there's a solution or you realize this patient is not moving forward. It's a light hmm. addition. So objections typically are, I, I love to prevent them. I prevent them by, again, everything's front and loaded. I, I, I try to say, okay, if lack of urgency is the number one objection, then you need to prevent that from happening in the chair. And you prevent that and happening in the chair by having the patient co-diagnose with you is one part, self-discovery. They need to understand the condition and the consequences of it. It's a cavity that's going to lead to a bigger problem. It's a missing tooth. It's going to lead to a bigger problem. And number two, we as a team have to have to understand where's this patient coming from on an emotional basis. Mm -hmm. People buy with that emotion. And so finding their why is a key factor that we front load on sales. So when I present to you, I say, Gary, I know earlier you told me it was really important for you to have peace of mind knowing you weren't going to lose your teeth like your grandfather did. 
I'm concerned about the infection in your gums because that's the number one reason people lose their teeth. It might even be why your grandfather lost his teeth. I'm also concerned about the four teeth I showed you on the screen that have the fractures and the decay. And the reason I'm so concerned about that is because that's what leads to a toothache and a root canal. Gary, I know I'm concerned about it, but my question for you is how, there's that word again, how concerned are you with what we discovered today? Hmm. And if they, and again, it's not a, yeah, it's a, it's a conversation and yeah. I know where this person is. And then I can pinpoint and say, all right, great. Would it make sense then first, Gary, to talk about a plan and how we can help you take care of this? Hmm. That is a yes or no. Yes. Now I'm moving into a quick treatment plan discussion with my treatment coordinator, doctor, whatever it is. And then once I present, then it's, how do you feel about moving forward with this plan? So a real simple outline that we use that dental team members who are not sales trained can actually follow and use. So I wrote the case presentation formula with a couple dentist mentors back in 2007. We've adapted it over the last decade and a half and just really found out that team members can wrap their mind around it and use it. And, and it's something that will improve your case acceptance quickly, get patients healthier. Yeah. I love that. All right. I'm going to give you another smoke screen that um, okay. Dennis, Dennis used a lot, especially probably when yep. dealing with you or dealing with a marketing company. <laughs> um, so here's here's what happens. I'll give you the scenario and then I'll give you my synopsis and I would love okay. to have your sure. thoughts on it. So, okay. Well, all these patients, they're all shoppers. They're just shopper patients, right? Mm -hmm. and so it's like, we don't want shopper patients. We yeah. want really committed, ready to buy patients, right? And so what I what I try to politely explain is that every patient is a shopper. It's where are they at right. in the funnel. Patient referrals who, let's say, Eric, you refer your wife to a dental practice, that's going to be a really committed shopper. They're already bought in. They, you did yep. all the selling. A marketing patient, they're the worst kinds of patients. People hear me say that. They go, Gary, don't you run a marketing company? Yes, we do. We're, but we realize these are the hardest patients to convert. They're, there's actually sales and and, and things that you have to do to help convince this person to buy treatment because they weren't referred from a doctor or a friend. So there's a process that they have to go through. And so one of the things that I tell dentists all the time is that, listen, all dentists, every dentist that I've ever talked to is a shopper. Every one of them. They, 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 they talk to us and then they talk to other marketing companies. They go to Eric and they look at what they do and they go to other companies that have similar services and they compare and contrast. It's not because they're bad people or they're yeah. cheap or they lack the finances, it's because they're, they want value for the, the exchange that they're looking for. And patients are no different. The only difference is, is patients know even less about dental than dentists do about marketing or operations. They're, yeah, business. business. Yeah. They, the dentists know way more about that stuff than the patient knows about dental because they're only interacting with dentists only so often. And so what, what yeah. I try to explain is that everybody's a shopper and you have to be very careful from the clinical perspective or the leadership perspective of saying, oh, we hate shoppers because then what ends up happening is your team starts filtering everybody out who asks questions and you yep. end up with no patients. What, what's your thoughts on that? No engagement. Yeah. The first thing I, I acknowledge with team members is we often treat the phone ringing like an alarm clock in the morning. You're, you're busy doing stuff. You've got something you're interacting with. The phone rings and, and you'll, you'll literally see timbers go, oh, yep. And they throw their head back and they have this physical reaction to the phone ringing. We need to have the phone, instead of it being an alarm clock, it needs to be, you know, the slot machine ringing that you won every time the phone rings. That's the first thing we have to talk about is just the mental aptitude, the mental direction of, is this important? 
every time the phone rings important. Now, wouldn't it be great if the phone only rang with a new patient? Yes. Wouldn't it be great if it only rang with someone who was referred, had a high desire to work with you? I've heard a lot about you. I want this. That's great. That's going to be a small percentage of the time. So the first thing you have to overcome is the mental, just the, the thought of what does it mean when the phone rings? It's a good thing. That's first. The second is understand the trust curve. So Dr. Ted Morgan, one of our presenters and mentors, uh, wrote an article, Dialogue Economics, years and years and years ago about the trust curve. And what he talks about is trust increase versus relationship time spent with this person. The more time you spend with them, the more the trust should go up, right? If you're spending more time with people and your trust goes down, you got bad mojo. <laughs> that referred patient, when they call first, that trust is at time zero. I haven't spent any time with them and the trust is already up higher. They're going to have a steeper increase of trust towards case acceptance because of that referral. Whereas most marketing patients are going to come at zero trust, zero time, and you're going to have to build that over a longer uh, relationship development time. And so you have to understand everything you say on the phone to everything you say chair side is all built towards how am I increasing trust in a relationship and rapport with this person? So when they come to make a decision, they're honest with us about it and they're ready to go. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, totally. And that's so big. Well, yeah, this is, this is like, we could probably film like 300 uh, podcasts about this, to be honest with you. I know you guys have your own podcast and you just go over this. This is really, really good stuff. We went into the weeds really quickly. And so, um, yeah, but that's awesome. I think people love that, especially dentists. So let me just, let, let, let me wrap up with this. Um, if someone is like, man, this is all super confusing, <laughs> but I like what you guys are talking about. How, how do I actually get help with something like this? How, how do they get in touch with you and actually learn how to do this themselves? Well, I mean, that's all we do. We are, we are a transformation company. We really believe in training with integrity, looking to help people get patients healthier. Our goal is your goal. Get patients healthier as fast as possible. How do I do that? Well, you have to understand the psychology of the human being. You got to understand sales. You got to understand relationship building and rapport building. So that's everything that we've built uh, at All Star, all the trainers. So you can go to allstardentalacademy.com and look at everything we do. We have events that we do. You can look at the events tab there. We have coaching. We have an online dashboard for continuous coaching. And the best thing you can do is just email us. Just send an email to our co-founder, Heather Nottingham, Heather at allstardentalacademy.com. She is amazing at just getting on the phone with someone and talking about what they're dealing with in their practice and seeing if All Star is a fit for them and deciding, hey, how can we help solve this issue for you? And if not, let's send you to a place that can. So I love that that she's just made herself available to everyone. And we're just here to help. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This is really fun. I'm going to have you on again and we'll we'll dive deep into the weeds of, of some of these other topics. All right. Okay. Sounds great. Love it. Thank you.